0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Fluid Fan Podcast. You know me, Angela Ruggiero, the CEO and co-founder of Sports Innovation Lab. As the leading sports market research firm, we sit at the intersection of sports and tech, helping our clients create breakthrough fan experiences through technology. If you've been following us, we've spent over four years collecting data, really defining what innovation means for the industry. That's why we've produced this podcast to help Inform you. We'd love to help again the industry better understand technology, better understand how technology is changing fan behavior. That's really at the core of what we do. Do that through leadership boards, advisory work, and custom data driven dashboards. So if you want to learn more about us and what we do, and in particular, our latest research initiative around the fan project, if you've been under a rock and haven't seen our news, Fan Project Report went live. That research is all around the business opportunity for women's sports, and there's a massive opportunity out there, different business model. You got to understand your consumer, understand your consumer first, and uh, and then back into the right strategy, the right business to drive engagement across the women's market. Go to fanproject.co or our website, sportsilab.com. All right, so today I'm joined by my good friend, John Coombs, the CEO and co-founder of Rover. John's going to talk all about fan engagement, the second screen experience for fans, how a mobile app can elicit behaviors that we talk about each and every day. So gotten to know him through our leadership board for a few years now. He's a a big advocate for what what we're doing and, and really, I think, understanding how technology is changing the sports landscape, why we need to build more people and capabilities to execute on the vision. So John and I will talk about how he founded Rover, some of the case studies and activations that his app is helping the world with. And at the end of the interview, John will share some big news on what lies ahead for Rover. So let's jump right into my conversation today with John Coombs, the CEO and co-founder of Rover. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Fluid Fan Podcast. I am with, as you has just heard, John Coombs, CEO and co-founder of Rover. John, thank you for being our latest guest on the podcast.
1: Great to be here, Angela. Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, we're really excited for this conversation. First, I think a lot of people are going to go, what's Rover? I want you to define Rover for us. I I know working with you over many years, you started 2014, you built this company from scratch. You help sports teams and app publishers create engaging mobile content and campaigns. And so at a mm-hmm. highest level, that's what you do. But but walk us through rover itself because I think um we'll get into you personally, but providing some context and lens into this really cool technology that you've built.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd give you a kind of context about rover is we really, you know, we we focus on the mobile app and what 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 the product does is really centered in that sort of tech ecosystem. And traditionally, you know, the app is something that is powerful. It's data rich. It sort of creates a lot of opportunities for us to connect with our fans and our end users, but it's a highly engineering dependent ecosystem. So if you want to be iterative and you want to create fan experiences or engage your audiences in an app, you're going to have to have, you know, iOS and Android developers and go through a whole host of like technical product processes. So what Rover's all about is, is making that less technical dependent. The Rover platform is really a means for any app publisher, sports or otherwise, to create engaging content for their audiences and connect with them and tie that to data and not have to sort of lean on an engineering team to do that. Mm. It's kind of a theme you're seeing with a lot of tech. It's this sort of no-code movement where marketers and brands are being empowered with technology that allows them to sort of own their destiny and their content strategy without needing to go through the time and the resources all the time with engineering. And so we don't build apps. We don't sort of replace your your roadmap. But when you look at an app, there's there's specific times we might want to engage or create content opportunities. Game day, going into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. These are sort of the the areas where we exist is providing some flexibility in a traditionally technically heavy ecosystem.
0: yeah. so so you you get it at a high level, you want to activate, do more create more engaging content. You, you you would come in and without having to learn the coding or hire the team, you guys are 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 there for the industry. So how did you come up with this idea? I take a step back on you, John, and mm-hmm. uh, you you've got a, a interesting background, but I, I'm always curious with entrepreneurs or people that have built companies. You had to have seen a need in the market, obviously, to go in this direction. How did you come to this idea? Give us give us a little bit about your background and, and how you came to, to founding Rover.
1: Yeah. Well, my my background and my co-founder's background some time ago was in the, the loyalty industry. So we spent a lot of time, you know, working with retailers and brands on customer loyalty, which traditionally was you know points-based. So reward people with points based on purchase behavior and things they do. Which I'm As, obsessed with,
0: by the way, because I fly a lot. So I love your... Anyway.
1: They're powerful. They're powerful <laughs> indeed. They're powerful Get psychological me. <laughs> mechanisms of behavior change in your world. So you should be, right? So yeah, I mean, so I was doing that for both a large and a small company, um, working in that space. And one of the things that you know we sort of saw coming on the pike here was what does this mean for mobile? Like, sure, I'm going to have a card and I'm going to swipe that and earn points or enter my card number when I book a flight or things like that. But is loyalty really, you know, do the boundaries of loyalty end and start with points or is there more to it? And, and increasingly, as we were in that industry and having conversations, a lot of brands were really looking at loyalty as customer experience. And when you get into customer experience, you very quickly get into mobile experience. So the earliest foundation of Rover was... Helping brands engage their customers on mobile in a way that improved that customer journey. Mm. Um, One of the things when we started out was we were doing a lot with location technology. So the idea was really the first sort of MVP of Rover was if you're in, in a store and we know you're in a store, you know, what sort of app experience should you get? Because it's not the same as browsing for product on your couch. So our our really sort of foundation was looking at Rover as a means for brands to create a better customer experience on mobile and in-store. It initially didn't really have anything to to specifically do with sports.
0: That's so interesting. Just again, thinking about the fan experience and thinking about the consumer first, You it sounds like have worked in an industry that gets how do you activate and engage? I mean, like again, I'm a frequent flyer, so I'm obsessed with how do I, you know, yeah. engage with a airline. I mean, wouldn't typically think, but but they have me hooked in some ways. Um, playing the game, wanting those extra points, spending money on like I don't know meals just so I can hit that level. Yeah. Uh, so you again, I would which is really fascinating to me always when I find people that are come outside of sports, observe a behavior, observes a behavioral need, and then activate that in, in sports. Walk us through then some of the, some of the case studies that, uh, that, that you've been able to, to do with Rover. Again, just having that, that background and, and your co, who's your co-founder again?
1: Uh, my co-founder's uh, name's Sean, Sean Rocker. He's my, uh, he's our CTO. So technical co-founder. We'd um, we've known each other for some time and awesome. we, we started the company and, you know, built a team around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, great company. Again, really been fun getting to know you and, and what you're up to at, at Rover and seeing some of the activations that you've actually done. You um, know, I mean, one of my favorites is this being a hockey player. And I hear the Canadian on your, you know, your twang as well. You you know, the, the Vancouver Canucks, <laughs> right? right? This, yep, yep. this scavenger hunt. I'm, I'm like, this, this is really cool that the, these digitally savvy fans um, you're giving them a way to, well, I'll let you explain it, but the Vancouver Canucks yeah. scavenger hunt activations, um, one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. I mean, really, you know, going back to where, where I guess they started with describing the company, we do two things, right? One, we make the app this, you know, less rigid ecosystem that's dependent on on engineering. So now mm-hmm. if I'm in that case, the Canucks. I can create content in my app and activations with these. We marry that with some powerful data and segmentation. So we have integrations with like Ticketmaster and some some other sort of sources of data truth that allow these activations to be tied to, you know, specific attributes of the fan and where Mm -hmm. they are in their fan journey. We apply that to sort of three core like- And sorry, when you say
0: the fan journey, that's location-based too. That's, are you sitting at home? Are you at the venue? Yeah, yeah.
1: could be a lot of those things. I mean, increasingly, I would say ticketing data is a better indicator of, you know, are you at the game as, you know, not to get too technical, but as Apple sort of ratchets back location permissions, mm-hmm. we're increasingly looking at other points of truth for yeah. where you are at in that fan journey. But certainly but, there's- But I
0: think that's interesting though, because we talk a lot about on this podcast and with the company in general of this 24-7, 365, you don't just show up. We're not really in an events-based business anymore, even though tickets are a major source of revenue, you're, you're a fan all the time and you're trying to actually peel back that onion a bit through this platform to help you activate outside of just the venue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to that point, similar, you know, a lot of tech companies, e-commerce companies, they look at lifetime value of a customer. They look at the customer journey. They look at basket size. They're looking Mm -hmm. at a lot of metrics a lot of those are not uh, a lot of those are certainly very relevant to the world of sport looking at the lifetime value which is not just about me coming in and purchasing something it's my path to purchase it's my my journey it's my basket size it's when do i repeat right so i think a lot of those sort of tenets of uh, e-commerce and product companies really apply to sports when we look at the 365 you know there's monetization opportunities but there's experiential opportunities too you know, we as sports brands, we want to make sure that a, that journey is not just game day to your point, but also it is something that, that can create opportunities for the brand and and for the sports team in terms of their monetization strategy beyond just the ticket sale and the concession sales.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, as we say at Sports Innovation Lab, we like to help our clients create breakthrough fan experiences through technology. And you certainly, that's Pretty much what you're <laughs> what you're doing yeah, with your yeah. platform. So you work with over a hundred brands and teams, you're global and obviously again, use a case study or two. Yeah. So those that haven't maybe the technical background yeah. or just want to understand, like, how do you then go to market and work with your partners?
1: Yeah. So if you think of the app, you've got like already, you're going to have things like scores and articles and sort of content that is fed similar to the web. But obviously the app is a mobile platform. It's one that's moving and it can reflect the state of the fan and their experience, unlike the desktop experience. Mm -hmm. So applications of our product are really to take those moments in that journey and create value for both the fan and for the team. So. On game day, it's, hot. it's very common for, you know, our teams to do like a game preview, here's who to watch, this is the game, like we're getting excited about that. Oftentimes that will include a participatory element, like a fan poll, who's going to score first, what do you expect the outcome to be, and they'll use the platform to create this interactive mobile first sort of guide to the game. During the game, you might have a sort of a second screen type component where we'll engage, you know, they'll, they'll engage fans, either again, with maybe something like trivia or polling to 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 have the fans participate in that game. And then after the fact, like, you know, certainly common in the UK and the Premier League um, player of the game, you know, you know, man of the match and things like that. And then, you know, to your point, you know, on a on a quiet Tuesday, what are we doing? How are we engaging mm-hmm. fans at that point? So Trivia Tuesday is a common application of the product. The scavenger hunt piece is certainly another application where it's, you know, bringing, bridging the digital and the physical, getting fans into the community, finding things, participating with partners. And, you know, again, creating a fan experience, which is getting out of the community, finding a puck and scanning it or something like that, but also driving foot traffic to a partner location.
0: Mm. So you said a lot of behaviors in there. And we, as you know, uh, as sitting on one of our leadership board members, we talk a lot about behaviors. You're not just talking about engagement. We break that up literally Mm -hmm. um, by behavior. And you're seeing these behaviors, you're activating these behaviors. What are some behaviors that spike in terms of your users or the industry at large, what they're looking for when they come to their mobile phone, when they're want to activate with their, and interact with their teams. What are, the, what are the behaviors that you're building more experiences against?
1: Obviously we we have a product that can enable lots of different experiences, but our, any engagement with the team is starts with sort of a discovery around what's moving, what, m- what moves the needle? What are you looking to do? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a good example of that is kind of arrive early. A lot of clubs are looking to have fans get to the game early, starting their game day journey earlier, obviously that has the benefits of F and B sales, et cetera. So it's quite common for, you know, a team, for example, to use our Ticketmaster integration, knowing that a subset of their app users are coming to the game that you know that they have tickets, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, we've got these, these offers. We, you know, come and start your game day earlier with us, rather than going off platform as it were to a bar, a bar or something, you know, come in, come to the venue. There's lots to see and do get there early. Uh, The arrive early theme is certainly something that is a direct behavior that Mm -hmm. we see often being influenced using the product.
0: Do you see co-watching is a big one that we've seen a a big spike in, especially during the pandemic. Fans in in our recent report, the fan project, that was actually the number one behavior that spiked learning was also for women's sport, fans of women's sports. They're obsessed with learning about the athlete, learning about the team, trying to understand the rules, trying to dive more into the, the people that, you know, are the performers, the athletes themselves. Like, anyway, do you, are you seeing this uh, an equal spike in interest from the team saying, Hey, how do we bring more fans onto this platform together? Or how do we give them more information via this platform? Or, I mean, what are the kinds of yeah. conversations that you get in these discovery? Again, curious what the in aggregate, yeah. what teams are asking you for?
1: A common theme during, during COVID was how can we, what can we do to recreate the in-venue game day experience in the absence of fans? That Mm -hmm. was obviously a challenge we all faced with because there was, you know, revenue implications and there was just, you know, maintaining a fandom in a difficult climate. So a lot of the things that that we saw were how do we create like this virtual venue experience? How do we bring some of the things that we know and love from attending a game or a venue to the hands and the the, the experience of, of a fan who can't be there? You know, we did a lot of things around bringing some activations that were traditionally, you know, in venue only. Like, you know, you've seen things like the fry shuffle or the car race, you know, who's gonna gonna win voting, those participatory on digital signage type of activations being brought into the phone so that you know the the fan can still participate in things that were reflective of the venue experience. Yeah. We saw a lot of trying to bring a lot of the, the 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 media that you would you would see by being at the game, so like practice warm-ups, that kind of stuff, bringing that video and some of that curated content into the app so that it's, you know, a destination for you know, I'm sitting courtside before, before the, the game starts and having that experience. So I think that was a big theme. I also find it, you know, very interesting and, and not surprising, to be honest, that a lot of those virtual venue type experiences are, are not going away as fans return. I think mm-hmm. there's something we've all been talking about. I know Sports Innovation lot has talked about this is, you know, you've got your 20,000 people that can get in a venue and you may have 800,000 fans who wish they could be there. So, mm-hmm. you know, why limit ourselves to just that that physical audience and I think that's why a lot of some of these successful experiences around a virtual venue are going to continue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, I couldn't agree more just this massive digital transformation that occurred during during COVID and and some groups are already there but the industry at large I think woke up and said, "Okay, if I can't sell if I literally can't sell tickets, um, and to your point, um, think Tokyo Olympics. I mean, no one's yeah. going to be in the stands, maybe a small percentage of local residents, but that brand is still big. It's still global. It's still in your house and in your homes and on your phone. How do you, I'm just curious, This with this digital transformation and you have endless growth if you go that direction versus in venue, what are the lasting effects then, I guess, is my question, post-pandemic that you think we'll see? Because of the pandemic that accelerated change, and, yeah, any any high level thinking yeah. around where the industry is headed as a result?
1: I think you know, you're, you you I, I would say I, I see it, what was an accelerant to three pillars of change that were already in the works. I think, you know, one of those is, Digital adoption and the recognition that digital presents net new opportunities. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about taking fan experiences and sponsorships and just putting them on a phone or on a screen. It's about recognizing that by virtue of the phone's mobility and the data that exists on the phone, we can do net new things. So it's not mm-hmm. like taking a something and slapping it on a different device. Yeah. It's recognizing that there's net new opportunities. And so that's a really adoption, good point,
0: though. Like, cause I see a lot of oh, we'll take our linear fee and just put it on this smaller screen or, oh, I see this. Yeah. And like you're shrinking it and you're like, that's kind of a subpar experience versus what you're saying is the functionality of the phone itself. Like, let's not forget how powerful this device is when it's net new versus, I, anyway, I just want to underscore yes. that point. Design
1: for sure yeah design and think for the platform is is really important um it's as you mentioned it's quite apparent when something is just slapped in a new channel without Mm -hmm. a recognition of the nuances of what that channel presents and creates Mm -hmm. as far as opportunities so that and i think you know the the notion of like just data and personalization is something another trend that was accelerated i I would say you know you've got a a lot of teams pre-pandemic we're talking about sort of the 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 view of the fan and sort of understanding that fan and the data that exists around that. And, and I think that that as well is something that, you know, again, going more digital, being forced to go more digital inherently comes with more data and more means of understanding and segmenting and personalizing. And I think that's another, definitely another trend that. So let's would, not
0: jump past that. Cause that's like, we're obsessed with data. As you know, at Sports sure. Innovation Lab, you have to understand your, consumer, your fan. Why is that so important? Again, in your opinion, before we get to your third point, you're going to design differently. You're going to think about partnerships differently. We can do, we say data all the time, but in your opinion, like, why is that so powerful to have that information at your fingertips?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would, the short answer is, I think if you look at going back to my comment about sort of tech companies and how they view their businesses, I mean, I think it's not that dissimilar. Mm -hmm. When we look at data, we can understand like. What are the inflection points when a consumer s- spends or engages what, what, you know, you can you get down the rabbit hole of like propensity modeling and understanding what are the triggers or what indicate uh, a fan's likely next step, next mm-hmm. step behavior or preference. I think that if you look at those technology industries who have done a great job and on the whole of understanding how data can translate to mutual value, mm-hmm. value being for comfort for team and for fan. That's a great indicator of why it matters. Specifically, there's a lot of a lot of the data-centric, a lot of the data value that's that's done today in sports very much resides in ticketing. That's where a lot of the data talent and data budget lives. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of room to expand beyond the world of totally. just ticketing when it comes to data and analysis. And a practical and t- um, tactical example that we see happening more and more is splitting mobile experience for season ticket holders versus not i mean I, I get mailed a nice little kit when i buy my season ticket mm. packages and that's cute and beautiful and i love that it's tangible but when it comes to my digital experience there's not too much of a differentiation between me just being yep. you know a one game a year fan versus somebody who's high spending yep. and we're seeing that tangibly take place that that i'm speaking now in the digital platforms because the app is so data rich and we know you're a season ticket holder Let's treat you as such and make your game day experience equally as powerful and mobile, you know, as it might be in the physical sense.
0: It's, I mean, again, that point I think is really interesting because, um, again, as increasingly there's more fans are outside of the venue, global fans, fluid fans, as we call them, that are coming in and out and may buy a ticket, may not, but that like personalization that that, that you can reach them anywhere. But that you understand them, I think at the root of it, it's it's the question we've been asked more than anything else: like, who is my fan? And your your again, your point about well, why would you treat the season ticket holder versus the casual, you know? But maybe potentially diehard, you know, fan down the line, but this like more fluid fan. You need to you just understand who they are. And 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 anyway, I, I love your thinking around this. It's uh, again this outside in thinking that I always always appreciate of you know, how, how are we changing the mold within sports? All right. I cut you off. What's your third point, you, you mentioned high level trends that, uh, that we're going to see after post pandemic.
1: Yeah. I think this one's kind of universally applicable. And again, something that was already in the works pre pandemic, but just this sort of idea that, almost every company, pretty much every company is a tech company. Every company is a product company and inherent in that is internal talent and DNA that can thrive in that ecosystem. So the, the days of like, you know, a lack of, uh, a lack of diversity in terms of talent and, and other attributes in, in the sports organization, I think are very numbered for a whole host of reasons. But specifically as it relates to product and technology, I think, mm-hmm. you know, this is like, you got to be able to speak this language and at least, you know, you, you can lean on other partners and you should, it shouldn't be building technology from scratch, but you should be very literate and capitalizing on these opportunities because, you know, other industries are doing so and investing in that in a big way. And at the end of the day, you're competing against mindshare and share of wallet. Oh, so you got to be there. Um, You got to be apt from a technology perspective. And that means, you know, how do I think about product? What are the implications from a technology perspective? How do I choose a vendor effectively and, Mm -hmm. you know, be able to delineate between a beautiful deck and an actual substantive, impactful product? You have to have that. And so um, investments in the types of people that, that I think are brought into Mm -hmm. sports teams um, will accelerate and should.
0: Yeah, no, I, I love it. The I mean, that, that's why we started the company, honestly. If we could demystify technology and help the industry better understand products and solutions that actually fit their needs and or or help them see the opportunity in the market. I couldn't agree more. It's great to see so many more bodies being hired that have this background that that can build out this sports ecosystem to be a technology ecosystem is what I think I hear you saying. And and Again, this the, the, we're we're really trying to shift the industry away from again this event space, just ticket-based, point in time industry mm-hmm. into like you're a media business, always on twenty four seven. You're a data business now. You're a tech business. You're, I mean, the bigger bigger groups that exist in our some of our research, they get that and they're building experiences, technology experiences against that to to appease these these fluid fans. So love those three points. Certainly interesting in terms of where you sit and how you see the the future of, of sports headed any other specific changes that you're seeing within because of the pandemic or accelerated changes again, the mobile app market from your perspective, or even from your, your company, how do you see the industry interacting with Rover differently in the future? Like what, what are some of the changes that you personally have been able to do within Rover as a result of just how the consumer base is changing?
1: I mean, I think that in going back to what I was saying earlier about sophistication. I think in our early days, you know, what we were offering wasn't so much, it it was difficult perhaps to understand. And and once we started working with a customer, you know, they would okay. Like, yes, the lights are really starting to go on. Mm -hmm. And I think now, you know, as you look at the composition of a lot of the, the sports teams that we work with, there's more folks that are there that are coming to us with ideas that are like becoming essentially tech leaders within their industry and bringing really creative ideas to the table that, you know, it makes our job easier and it makes the industry uh, as a whole better because it's not just us saying, you know, here's some technology, here's some things we think you should be doing. It's like, you know, no, we're being told like, this is what we think we should be doing. And, and, and I'm, I think that's, that's really important. Um, That's reflective of the type of talent that, that are starting. I, I think to gravitate to to sports, Mm. you know, Product and technology is not something that is uh, unfamiliar.
0: Yeah. So at a high level, you see more staffing, more digitally savvy employees being hired within the properties that you serve. Are there any challenges on the horizon with onboarding, with again, having like, how do we get from here to where the future, everyone has this great build out of of staff that, that understands Mm-hmm. These experiences and technology in the way that you know we're we're talking. What's the, what are the challenges in the market? I'm I'm just curious from your perspective.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're obviously dealing with the furlough headwinds. You're you're looking at a a, a reality where it's going to take time to recover economically for a lot of sports properties. You don't have throw up a goose egg on uh, on the ticketing revenue for a year and recover quickly. And, and I. I said you know that's something we all struggle and sympathize with. It's extremely challenging to get through that, but we also know that with challenges of that magnitude come opportunities, right? And so mm-hmm. I think those that embrace the challenge before us as an industry and sort of look beyond and look towards where the world is going from a product and a digital adoption perspective, those are the ones that are going to, are going to excel. I actually look to the, to the premier league and some things I've seen in Europe as a great example of that. Those are leagues that are, you know, age old in history and have been doing things relatively similar for a long time. And, and, you know, they were, they weren't, like the most digital first uh, in a lot of cases. The pandemic forced the hand on that. yeah, and I think it was a bit of a, a wake up and I'm really, I would say impressed with the a lot of the premier League teams that we work with who are kind of running with it and, and continuing to keep keep that going. And I guess you know my thought and, and, and hope is that the the realities that we're all been dealing with in the sports industry of late are enough to keep everyone moving forward and yeah, you know, whether that's every team, Who knows, but Mm -hmm. certainly there's a lot of teams that are keeping running with it. And it's, yeah, I I think I'm,
0: I'm with you the best to me, the, the leaders that we're seeing that are leading into this and seeing, you know, this challenge is an opportunity. This, this point in time is a moment in time that I may not get back as a leader. I may not be able to make sweeping changes or, or bring in that, the, business analytics talent I need or the tech talent I need or, or reformat our strategy. I, I, in my opinion, you've got a little bit of a window to do whatever you want in some ways. (laughs) Like, and some teams are certainly leaning in that we work with or with we're we're following um, the top 25 most innovative in teams sports report. As an example, we did a lot of research on global teams and to your point, some are, some are moving hard and you wouldn't, in, in pre-pandemic, you know, ever, everything's great on paper. You why would you rechange? You know, don't don't fix what's not broken, right? <laughs> yeah, that's
1: it. That's, um, that's it. That's the it, that's the silver, hopefully, the silver lining in all this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Your point earlier about diversity and inclusion and and yep. talent and access to ideas that um, just reminds me of in that top twenty five report. One of the pillars that we looked at, one of the three pillars was. Um, You know, organizational agility is what we called it, but it really was what you're speaking to. Do you have the people internally that have access to fresh ideas, whether it's an accelerator or an incubator that are that that have the talent that can understand technology that look and think different? You know, not no offense, just white guys, you know, they're totally it's like
1: do you absolutely
0: reflect your fan base, you know, and and I'm curious just to to hone in on that point a little bit more because the world is changing and not everyone can understand tech or, you know, everyone's point of view, I guess is my point and play on that a little bit, like what, what, what you were commenting on before. Yeah.
1: I was very much trying to communicate a sort of a dual message on diversity. I mean, I was focusing in on the sort of the product side that Mm -hmm. there's a diversity of talent and skill sets. I think that's very important. I think traditionally skill sets were perhaps less diverse in in sports and, you know, I think that's really important. And for me, you know, that goes hand in hand with and without saying, that also means diversity, you know, culturally, experientially, you know, the types of people you have should reflect your communities and your audiences. And you should be bringing those those voices to the table. And I think that's extremely important. And, you know, I I think technology is just sort of a, a channel or a means to deliver that diversity and deliver that sort of voice that is not just sort of one single take on things. And so, yeah, I'm hopeful that there's a a, a continuation of this diversity shakeup on all levels and that, you know, you know, teams are embracing and I think many are Yeah, that, you yep. know, you gotta, you you gotta reflect your community and where the world's at. And and it doesn't mean everybody has to be going back to the tech side. It doesn't mean everybody has to be, you know, very technically focused, but you need to have the balance between the storytellers and the people who are sort of telling the brand Mm -hmm. and then match that with the channels and the, and the the means to deliver that message. I think that's important.
0: It takes a team. As they say, we all have different roles, different perspectives, different talents put them together and uh, you got a powerful, powerful team at the end of the day. We're talking to John Coombs again, co-founder and CEO at Rover, who's been around for many, many years building this company. Again, as you've heard, they have a, a great solution on the market that, in my opinion, reduces resources required to really create some of the experiences that you may want. You don't need all these these techies internally uh, if, if you're working with Rover. Before we turn over to the Four with four innovation segment. I'm curious, what's next for Rover? What do you see the market really around mobile fan engagement apps heading? Where 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 are you headed? Where do you think the the industry is headed?
1: Yeah, I mean, as a business, we are actually going through a, a rebranding process, and probably by the time uh, this podcast is out, we will we will be renamed and rebranded. the the, the name of the, the company will be called Judo. So we're going from Rover to Judo, and the kind of bit of the light backstory on Judo is, is one of the tenants of that uh, you know martial art is maximum impact with you know minimal input right so being able to sort of leverage pivot points and and leverage as a means to have a big outcome without a lot of effort and that's really what we're all about is is empowering brands and teams to tell their story and not be hamstrung by technical barriers or time to deployment because that just happens all too often great ideas just fall on the floor because they're difficult to execute on so you know that's that's really what we're right. we're at. And we're Suda. very excited. I love it. Yeah. yeah. We're very excited about it. Um, you know, the product w- with it, we're, we're launching a major update to the product, which allows for a lot of the content that's delivered to be connected to APIs and be more programmatic. And one thing we both know in the world of sport is a lot of things are moving fast paced, lots of, uh, not a lot of bandwidth in, in season. So the more we can automate and make you know, turn on the easy button as it were, you know, I think we're going to continue to have more impact. And that's, that's a a theme that's really important for us is again, helping maximize the impact of what our product and our our company can deliver, but minimize sort of the effort required to do that.
0: All right. Judo, John Coombs, the the CEO and co-founder of Judo. I love it. Have it. That's a hard sport, by the way. I think it's fast. I've never done it. I've tried, you know, someone Got, learned a couple of moves, but if you can master that to your point, you know, small people can beat big people. It's all those, those, yeah. those can you get the right hold and turn? And yeah. so I, I like, I like the rebranding. What's the Thank logo you. look like? I'm curious.
1: Well, it's kind of technical in, in its visual. It's, uh, it's really about empowering. It, it, it's a bit of a tool set. It's about sort of going from idea to design to execution and sort of a Swiss army knife, as it were, kind of I don't know, I'm describing a logo, never an easy thing to do. <laughs> just go to judo judo.app, www.judo.app, and you can see see the branding for yourself. And it's, um, yeah, we're really excited about it.
0: Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. So we're going to turn it over now just to get your thoughts on innovation in general. Four questions with number four, where I ask your in your in your views on it. And that was my number. So I like to pick the highest level, but just to kick it off, what does innovation mean to you, John?
1: Well, I think going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's about being able to take ideas to, you know, execution and be able to fail fast and to iterate. So spending less time on getting it perfect and spending, you know, more time on getting it out there, mm-hmm. learning and iterating. I mean, that's something that's a fundamental tenant of any product or technology company, you know, test and learn, iterate, improve, refine, don't, build it all in one sort of big burst, put it out there and, you know, wait for the results, get it, get your, get your ideas out there and, and look at the data and, and iterate. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's a really important aspect of innovation.
0: Love it. Yeah. It's kind of like the 80, 20 rule, right? Just get, get something, maybe not 80, 20 and, but like just the iteration you're saying, you, you believe feedback is a gift, as they say, right? You got to evolve as a result. All right. What's the most innovative person? You have someone that you, you look up to, listen to, just follow in general and social and in this industry.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. And I probably should have (laughs) given it more thought prior, you know, whenever you call somebody out, I feel like you're at the Grammys and you're like, I want to thank this person, but then you forget somebody else. Um, Well,
0: you know, you can, you can pick someone that's out of our space too. If you want to, you don't want to, Single out anyone, but just you know, who do you read? What do you what? Are, who influences you in your life that that you look up to in terms of innovation?
1: You know, I think it sounds kind of cliche and and probably often mentioned, but I do really like Elon Musk for his over the top boldness. I think we need more of that. I think that it's important for people to just not think without barriers and why can't I do this and and spend more time thinking about you know I want to do this and I think it should be this way, so I'm mm-hmm. just gonna do it. Oftentimes, I think we are our own worst enemy when it comes to trying to change the world or trying to improve something, because it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole of self-doubt. So, thinking you can do everything—that old, like, uh, you know, thing we we're taught as kids—but sometimes we just don't carry through in our yeah. lives. Um, so,
0: yeah, I mean, he's he's not only doing changing one industry like cars. Yeah, he's changing like the scope is broad. exploration, <laughs> like what? Yeah,
1: it's it's next level stuff, and I I just I just find it fascinating. You're 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 creating, you know, you're 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 sort of your minds. We think about international travel and frequent flyer miles, and he's like talking about interplanetary travel. It's a little different level of yeah.
0: What does his calendar look like? I'm that's someone I I need to learn more from. Yeah, do it all.
1: (laughs) There will be a fascinating book that delves into that one day. I'm sure.
0: Totally. All right. Who's the most innovative company in sports tech? Is there a group, you can't say Rover or Judo no. uh, now, right. that you are you think has done a really good job in this space or changed change the industry from just a tech perspective?
1: I'm impressed with what's being done on the sort of second screen experience. This idea of changing the way we consume sports and from a video and perspective, the idea of participatory and uh you know being able to just change how we view games. I think that's really interesting. And I, you know, I'll I'll uh give a tip of the hat to Mihir on that one. Um, because they're doing some some great stuff. Uh so you know I, I like that I like that area. I think, you know, changing how we view sports is is just a lot of opportunity, live like Obviously, doing a lot of cool stuff there. All right.
0: Shout out to a fellow board member, Mahir. Um, Hopefully, you're, you're hearing this. Uh, I agree. I love live like and just this co watching, having more functionality as a consumer. I definitely think they're. they're yeah. yeah.
1: I also think there's just so much more, like, we're only scratching the surface in totally. that sort of particular area. So I'm really bullish on it and, yeah. and eager to see where where it goes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. Just w- with what you're doing, what Mahir is doing, we wrote a report with FIFA. The future in your hands is the name of the report. We did it with with FIFA, and it, it's literally just about the smartphone. And we spend so much time talking about you know AR and VR and all these new new technologies. And like we all have a phone, like we all obsess and sleep with our phone basically now. And just this whole conversation, um, adding to your point with live, like it's just. It's there, and let's not forget. There's like so much upside, new opportunities. You put it earlier in this conversation. Then let's start from scratch and create a new a new behavior, if you will.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, most innovative team, league, federation. I know you've got a hundred partners and groups. You work with. Yeah. Those. So this is a hard one. I mean, I alluded child? to this. One. Who's your favorite well, I alluded to
1: this one earlier, and I I do, you know, part of. Being innovative is, you know, is recognizing obviously a need for change. And I alluded to the Premier League and what a lot of those teams are doing. I think it's very difficult when you're, you know, you've been a team or you've been a league since, you know, in the 1800s, you know, it's a long time, a lot of history, a lot of baggage, if you will. And it's challenging. The more history you have, the harder it is to break out and be this innovator on the block. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I commend a lot of the new, che- new teams and new leagues for what they've been able to do, but they're not dealing with 150 years of, you know, it's been done this way. And so yeah. I'm going to kind of go and say that I've been impressed with how a lot of premier league teams and generally the league itself has, has broken out on the digital front in a, in a world where, you know, traditionally that's been very hard to do because you know, we know our British, British fans are a little bit stubborn with some things. So it's, it's nice to see, uh, what's happening there. So I'll I'll give a tip of the hat to the premier league.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hard to undo behaviors and habits and, but there's certainly moving. I mean, half of our teams were international football clubs, but premier league had a, a a nice showing in that uh, report. So great, great insights, John, thank you so much for coming on the fluid fan podcast for being a part of our leadership board for what you guys are building over at judo. Um, any closing thoughts before we wrap this podcast to, to our listeners? Other than,
1: other than I, you know, I, I I want to give a tip of the hat to you, Angela and to sports innovation lab. You guys are doing great stuff. Um, you know, being a good voice to move this industry forward. So keep it up and thanks for having me. It was great. Great chatting day.
0: Appreciate it. And, and even though you're Canadian, we're, you know, we're, we're tight, right. We're, we're good friends. Yeah.
1: Yeah, We'll just won't talk. We just, we won't talk, talk hockey. hockey, Anytime I meet a
0: Canadian, I can't (laughs) help it. I love Canadians are like the nicest people in the world as everyone knows. But if you're a hockey player, some, for some reason, there's like this, you know, it's my, yeah. that's my history. You know that, right?
1: <laughs> I absolutely. And it's to, it's to be, it's to be uh, expected. We, re- we, we respect fierce competition on the ice. Yeah.
0: You respect your competitor. Um, of but course. Anyway, it's been fun. It's been fun. Uh, can't wait to see you in person. And, uh, and again, best of luck. Thanks again for, for your insights today. And uh, John Combs, again, the CEO and co-founder of Judo. <laughs> Once again, I would love to thank John Coombs, the CEO and co-founder of the newly branded, you heard it here, Judo. So if you're looking at Rover, check out their website. Extremely excited for him and the rest of the team for this rebranding. Check it out at www.judo.app, A-P-P. again, to learn how John and his team are going to continue to innovate around the fan experience. We love anyone that's thinking about the fan the fan experience and using technology to execute on that vision. So thanks again to John. Thanks again to my producer Jack Barlow. You are the best, the best, the best. Been uh, really doing a lot for us in terms of visibility in the market. So want to give you a huge shout out and your team. I know it takes a team doing well in life. We've been at it four plus years. Uh, thank you to my listeners who again are here with us, learning about the Fluid Fan, leaning into the Fluid Fan, changing their business models, changing the way they think, using this podcast among many resources to, uh, to affect change, to be the change you wish to see in the world, which is one of my favorite quotes by by Gandhi. So hopefully you're getting a little influence here, a little inspiration from us. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor, anywhere that you can find podcasts. Happy to announce that we are airing our shows on YouTube now. So if you actually want to see my face or watch you know, if you're not just going for a walk, listen to this podcast, check out uh, our YouTube channel to find the full length video episodes. So again, check out all of our our research. If you want to learn more, sportsilab.com. I appreciate you. I appreciate the time we get to spend together. Until next time, I'm Angela Ruggiero. Uh, See you on the Fluid Fan Podcast.